0: everybody 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 drop your buff your Welcome back to Drop your Buffs I'm Sean Ross. I am Evan Roskatz. And our guest today is somebody that we first met way back in 2001 in Survivor's third season, Africa. As part of the Baran tribe, Ethan formed an alliance with Lex and Tom, though he was left in a precarious position when both of them joined the opposing Samburu tribe in Survivor's first ever tribe swap. Luckily for Ethan, two of the three Samburu members who joined the Baron tribe were looking to shake things up, and so the old Barons joined with T-Bird and Frank to vote out Silas. Moving forward, Ethan's alliance took control of the game, landing himself, Kim Johnson, Tom, and Lex in the final four. Kim's surprise immunity streak resulted in the ousting of Tom and Lex, but it wasn't enough in the end as Ethan earned five of the seven jury votes at the final Tribal Council to become Survivor's third winner. Ethan returned five seasons later to compete in Survivor All-Stars. His physicality helped him to avoid the early targeting of winners, and on day 13, he and Jerry were swapped from the disbanded Saboga tribe into the Mogomogo tribe, joining Richard, Sheehan, Lex, Colby, and Kathy, Vavrik, O'Brien. Whew, talk about all-stars. However, his target as a former winner could not be hidden forever, and on day 21, Ethan was unanimously voted out by his tribe. But 16 years (laughs) later... Ethan returned once more to compete in Survivor's 40th season, Winners at War. The game started out well enough for Ethan, who joined the majority of the Sele tribe in voting out Natalie Anderson on day two and fulfilling our wildest dreams by joining forces with Parvati, Boston Rob, and Danny Boatwright to form an old school alliance. However, Danny quickly turned that dream into a nightmare when she revealed the alliance to Ben, ultimately leading to her own demise on day six. And at the next tribal council, while attempting to blindside Adam, Ethan himself was blindsided by the Cele New Schoolers and sent to the edge of extinction. At the final tribal council, Ethan was on the right side of history, casting one of four votes for Natalie to win. Ethan was the record holder for most days in the game, having played 60 days between Africa and All-Stars. That record was broken by Amanda Kimmel in Micronesia. Ethan co-founded the charity Grassroots Soccer to raise awareness of and help fight HIV-AIDS. He has appeared on The Late Show with David Letterman, Fear Factor, Family Feud. He competed in the 19th season of The Amazing Race with then-girlfriend Jenna Maraska. But most importantly, Ethan was nominated for Survivor's Sexiest Man during America's Tribal <laughs> Council, an award which was robbed from him by Colby Donaldson. Ethan is a true Survivor legend, one of our all-time favorite players. Welcome to the podcast, Ethan. Wow. Thank you so much
1: for having me here at the podcast. After that introduction, I don't know if I'll have anything to say, but uh, I definitely <laughs> have some uh, PTSD going on right now. So thank you for that. Oh, you're uh, hearing,
2: Yes, then? Uh not our intention, but if we can deliver <laughs> something, you know, have it be that perhaps. Um, you know, Ethan, rather than simmer into a boil, I wanna start with a hot topic in the Survivor-verse. Ooh. Recently, there has been some drama between two Survivor legends, both of whom you've played with, season seven and 20 winner Sandra Diaz Twine, and season 16 winner Parvati Shallow. The reigniting of the feud was instigated by Sandra and seems to be at its core a battle of who bears the title of Queen of Survivor. For what it's worth, we think that there can be more than one queen on this podcast. Now we know that you are quite close with Parvati as we saw play out in season 40 of Survivor, but wondering what is your perspective on this feud and I want to note. While it's petty at its core, the tone of it has felt more fun than toxic. So I think it is a pretty fun feud to watch play out and has only sort of ignited a lot of our desires to see both of them return to the show once again.
1: Wow, yes. So first of all, yes, I've played with Sandra, but if you think of the way 40 went, I didn't play, we weren't on the same tribe starting out and she came to the edge of extinction for probably, I don't know, Three to four hours before she pulled the flag, so that was actually the first time I'd ever been part of Survivor with Sandra. The other times I've only met her at like a fan event or the finale of her Survivor. So I have played with Parvati, and um, so there are can be two queens of Survivor, and I'm going to play. You know, I don't want to. spark any drama here, but I think you're right when you said it was a little bit more fun than a little bit more, you know, enemy type situations. There may and may have been some communication behind the scenes amongst the two. I have no idea, but it's all in good fun. And it just proves that everyone still loves Survivor. Everyone still loves those two players are the best female players of all time. And it's just fun to see them interacting and how all the fans get behind it. And I think Tyson chimed in, I think Natalie chimed in. And so, I think it was, uh, I would like to see them play against each other again. Very They're. diplomatic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because <laughs> you never know. Maybe we'll all be out there again. And if I side with Parvati, you know, or Sandra, my my game is ruined, right?
0: Mm. I'd love to see that. Okay. That, that will never happen again, just so you know. <laughs> I'll never go out there. <laughs> Let's rewind a bit all the way back to season one, actually, because I have to imagine that you were among the 40 plus 50 something million people tuning in to watch the finale of season one. What first captured your attention about that season? I actually did not see much of that season. I saw the final maybe two or three episodes
1: of the first scene of Survivor. But at that time in my life, I was, you know, Pursuing my professional soccer career. I was living in Africa at the time I heard rumors about the show, but I didn't have the chance to watch it and then you know There was no one recorded it on a VCR for me back then So uh, I didn't really know much of it, but I did watch all of Survivor Australia with the you know Tina Colby situation and just something about the show appealed to me, you know, it was a game that touches every part of you as a human being, mental, physical, social, spiritual, environmental, financial. And there's nothing out there at the time. And, you know, coming from, you know, playing professional soccer, as a goalkeeper, you know, I thrive on those pressure situations. You know, everyone loves you or they hate you as a goalkeeper. And to be able to do something like Survivor on the world stage with millions of people watching was just something that I wanted to try to do. And for me, it wasn't necessarily about the money at the time. It was back then. It was about the adventure. It was about pushing my body, my mind, and my spirit to the limit. That's what it was about for me.
2: Can you talk about the audition process? Because. There are two interesting factors about this era of Survivor. One, the pool of those auditioning was so much wider, um, and there was less of a template for how one auditions for a reality show like Survivor. I mean, people make entire careers these days off of making videos of how to make an audition tape. (laughs) I mean, as you just mentioned, audition tapes, VHSs were in existence. It was a whole different ballgame at that point. So how did you prepare that audition? I prepared that
1: audition With, Well, basically, I was living in New York City. My playing career was just finished. I was coaching soccer. I didn't love it. And I had gotten a job at an advertising agency in New York City. And so I traded on my cleats and my sweatpants for like suits and ties and shoes. And they literally like a week before I was supposed to go in and start the job, there's a nationwide hiring freeze for this company. And they said, I'm sorry, you can't come in, you have no job anymore. And I was like, what the? So I was bored, I was unemployed. I told my mom I was in between life choices. So anyone out there, you're never unemployed, you're always in between life choices, everyone. So then literally, literally, my roommate and I were bored, and we're like, what do you wanna do today? Like, well, let's make a video for Survivor. And uh, so we ran around New York City, there may or may not have been some alcohol involved, I don't know. And uh, we were on a, you know, we were using mini, mini VHS. And then we went back and literally stayed up all night, 24 hours editing on two VCRs on a television set. And I did a little, do you remember, you guys might be too young, but do you remember the movie Being John Malkovich? Yes. Well, if you remember being John Malkovich, I did Being Ethan Zahn. So I found a portal into my own head, and when I popped out, every single person I saw was me. And that's kind of how we made the video. And, uh, you know, I was the bus driver. I was the hot dog guy. I took a shot in soccer, and then I saved the shot. Like, oh, my God. And then uh, at the end, I did a little play towards, um, you know, Tom Hanks and Wilson, you know, that was around that time back in the day with that show, Castaway. And then the funny thing is, I got sent out to Fiji and we were on the exact island where Castaway was filmed. And Castaway was part of my audition tape for 2001 in Africa. Full circle, everyone. That's what we're talking about mm. here on Survivor. Incredible. But anyway, so I sent in a video, never thinking it would be me. I submitted a video for my friend. My friend was supposed to make a video for me. We ran out of time for him. We just sent in my video, FedExed it, and then uh, I got the call. So he never got the video sent at all. No, we never made his video, but uh I wow. took care of him after the show, of course, and we had a secret no, code so. out there. I said whenever I did this, that means I'm thinking about you. Thank you for making the video. I never made the
0: show, but I did it. Uh <laughs> but I'm sure you, I'm sure you did it. <laughs> yeah, every day. Every day. <laughs> So Africa is completely unique among the survivor seasons because of its location. Mm-hmm. It was so, uh, it's, it stands out so much when you rewatch it that the tribes were essentially like fenced in for yeah. your own safety from yeah. wildlife. And I'm curious like how that affected the ability to strategize and form bonds with people because watching it back, it's like, well, I don't know, there's not even a corner to go talk in. it's like, let's go talk over there. Yeah, I mean, environmentally speaking, I think it was definitely one of the more difficult
1: seasons of Survivor. You know, there was a real threat to animals. There was no body of water. You know, obviously, we're, like, living on the equator. Uh, the food situation was barren, and, you know, we weren't allowed to, like, go find food on our own. So, like, all those situations were pretty tough, environmentally speaking. Strategy, yeah, we were kind of locked in that, you know, it was a, a, a fence of acacia trees that got these giant, like, uh, thorns on them to, to block the lions like a lion, a lion could definitely jump over six feet of fence so uh that didn't, we weren't really too uh you know confident that our lives would be saved by this fence and then they give you these hollywood prop spears and you're like what the fuck am i going to do with this you know like it's going to be able to kill a <laughs> lion with you know which lion killed me because maybe it'll be dangling out of his neck but he's gonna be running away with me in his mouth so like i don't know what we were supposed to do with those um But strategy-wise, yeah, it was a little difficult. We, you know, when everyone goes, hey, let's go get water in the current season, we were like, hey, let's go get wood. And when we went to go get wood, it means like, let's have a talk. And so uh, that was, yeah, it was difficult to strategize. A lot of it went down at night because we had to have a 24-hour watch on the fire. So the fire had to be going, two fires on both sides of the the fence, the inside the fence to keep the lines away. So we had night watch. So every night, two of us were staying up all night. Um, And a lot of the strategy went on at night. And uh, so you kind of want to pick who was staying up all night with you. But yeah, it was a little bit more difficult. Having said that, I would definitely say there's more strategy going on in today's game on a daily, hourly basis than there was, you know, back in the old school style of, of Survivor. But it happened. It just, we had more time to be able to strategize because the game wasn't as quick and there wasn't so many
0: external inputs on uh, you know ways to get ahead in the game. Yeah, and you bring up the night watch. There, there were a couple wild scenes in <laughs> Africa at night. And I've always wondered, how dangerous did it feel? Like, Were there moments that you were actually fearing for your life out there, or did you feel pretty safe? There were uh, three situations
1: where I felt incredibly fearful. The first was on day three. You know, we didn't have any food. We didn't have any water specifically in like my mouth. My tongue swelled up. My lips got all chapped and we were drinking out of these gourds and they lined the gourds with some sort of like antibacterial, like tar type situation. If you remember, Jesse Camacho was thrown up all over the place, her lips were all chapped. So like that was a real, I thought I was gonna die. Like I'd never been in that situation. You know, as an athlete, you know, you're used to training, eating, drinking, but then it went out there and they cut it all off. My body went into shock. The second time was with the lions and at night the lions would come sniff us out. Like any curious cat would wanna like sniff you out and they'd be circling around that fence You could hear them. You could hear them roar. The ground would reverberate like turning the bass up in your like speaker. And that was fearful. Like there's a scene where like me and Tom are shaking an empty can of beans on a spear trying to scare the, 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 you know, the time I thought it was, it was the most scary. And this was that time was when the cameraman got scared. So I was like, oh, this is great. But then the cameraman who was there all night got scared. And like, he's radioing on the freaking walkie-talkie that there's something going on. So I was fearful there. The last time was actually walking to water. And we came head-to-head with a Cape buffalo, which apparently are the most dangerous things in the, in the you know, whatever, wherever we were, at Shaba National Reserve, because they can't really see. They just see blobs and they charge the blob. And here we were, like, six people walking to get water. So we had to stop probably for about... 45 minutes until that thing went away and then we could keep going you know they said they're guys with guns out there we didn't see them but uh i have to imagine that they wouldn't let us die they're gonna let you get this close to dying but they're not gonna yeah. let you die and that was uh some sort of confidence i guess
2: yeah Wow, that is in stark contrast to today's Survivor for so many reasons. Um, Let's jump ahead a little bit to your experience on All-Stars. I am fascinated by Survivor All-Stars. I think it is a very underrated season. I think, unfortunately, I think things fall off toward the end um, because of some inevitabilities. But I think it is the strongest cast in survivor history and a cast that is just, it lives up to the name of all stars in so many ways. Um, it's also unique in being one of the first, if not the first all star seasons of any reality competition show ever. I mean, you know, people were newly understanding what reality competition was, but you know, at that point we thought it was one and done once you were off a show, it was goodbye and you know, on to the next, but then here we are bringing all of these beloved characters back together. As we learned during the season, there was a level of pre-strategizing that happened. Can you sort of talk about as soon as you were cast, did the phone start ringing? Were you picking up the phone? And was there any part of you that saw pre-strategi- pre-strategization, if that's the word, uh, as cheating?
1: So I agree that All-Star was a strong cast, but I think you have to remember that that you're looking at this in hindsight at the time you know no offense to people I'm naming but like Boston Rob was voted off you know whatever fifth or sixth Amber barely made the jury you know Alicia didn't really go that far um you know Rupert you know made I don't even know made the final four so like yeah it was a strong cast now but at the time I would say it was just average you know um you know The players have come back, and obviously some of them have done really well. Uh, You know, Hatch, Tina, obviously. I think the strategy wasn't that difficult because the first four to five votes were pretty easy. Everyone just decided, let's get the winners off first. So when something like that happens, and that's the general consensus among the 20 people playing, it's not that difficult, right? So you're Mm -hmm. only trying to get the winners off. And that kind of gave them a buffer to actually they didn't have to do anything for you know eight to ten days, right? So in that sense, but it was a good season. There's a lot of drama that happened. It got pretty dark and evil, which is good about Survivor. Um, now it's like nothing, but back then it was a big deal. And um, the pre-game, during game, and post-game, it exists. There is a pre-game which I had no idea was going on. So you know we were told not to tell anyone you got this contract five million dollars if you break the contract so no one was really as far as i knew no one was really talking that much before the game obviously i was friends with lex and tom but we didn't necessarily discuss a strategy uh nor did we make an alliance that we're going to have an alliance again out there clearly i mean lex voted me off um so Maybe some other people were talking, but I I didn't know about that, to be honest. And, uh, Mm. you know, I was kind of dating Jenna Maraska. I had dated Amber. So, like, I didn't think Amber was going to be out there. I didn't think Jenna Lewis was going to be out there. I knew Jenna Maraska was going to be out there. I didn't think Alicia would be out there. So, like, um, there's a lot of people I didn't think would be out there, and they were. So, the pregame, I didn't know anything about it. Having said that, fast forward to season 40, the entire thing... It's it is a pregame. There is no during the game. It's just a pregame. There was clearly you know some some conversations happening. Uh, the Poker Alliance, maybe you know the new schoolers. Let's get the old schoolers off first. You saw how the vote, the vote um, you know order went. So you know uh, their pregame is huge, especially on returning seasons. But the postgame is important as well. So like not. You can win the pregame, you can win the regular game, but winning the postgame is what it's all about, right? So uh, that's what I think, you know, how people do after the game. What do they do with their fame? How are they growing themselves and the brand? What are they doing with their life? So if you can pick up your life after Survivor and be successful, then I think that's uh, winning the postgame. Yeah. Obviously, I'm saying that because I'm,
0: like, voted off early in those seasons, right? <laughs> But I want to ask you something about the post game of all stars, because like you alluded to, it got dark and some of these people that you had relationships with, like, like Lex, right? And then and then, of course, you know, Amber, and she's in the end. I don't know how well you knew Boston Rob or Kathy, but I mean, you did play with Kathy. And you saw all that devolve into like, Like like they were really, really hurt feelings that I don't even know if they're healed to this day. I have no idea between like Lex and Rob say, but uh, all of this happens. Jerry gets booed at the reunion. Like it, it just becomes really dark. And I'm wondering as somebody who I know that like today you seem pretty well connected in the survivor world and, I imagine like at the time, I mean, this is how you win, right? Like yeah. you know, you're, you're, good at forming relationships. And so you have all these people that you have relationships with and it just like devolves like a terrible, like family holiday dinner. <laughs> and then like, what happens next? Like how, how was that for you? You weren't really like involved in the drama, but all these people around you were, I'm just curious what was going on behind the scenes after the show finished?
1: Well, yeah, I think there was, I think what's interesting is if you look at today's game and you look at let's the all stars right the beauty of survivor i feel is the moral dilemmas within the game right i am friends with you we trust each other we've built this bond during the show but the money's a little bit more important to me so i'm going to cut your throat right And that emotional attachment for the viewers and for the people in the game is kind of, I think, one of the most exciting parts about Survivor. Like, what is this person gonna do? Would I do that in that situation? Um, So now, today's game, you can see, it's like there's no personal connection There's it's all strategy. So when someone gets voted off, they were hugging each other. Good move, buddy. That was awesome. I'll see you on the other side. So people are coming into the game with the mindset that like I'm going to get voted off. It's a strategy game. If I lose, no big deal. We're going to be friends. This is a big, happy, go lucky family. That's the impression I get back then. That was not the case. We were really utilizing people's emotional connections and their life outside the game and inside the game to really get ahead in the game and manipulate them and backstab them and that was upsetting to people as you could see with the the lex and rob situation even though lex did the same thing to me that Rob did to him you know lex was upset when rob did it but i you know i wasn't upset when lex did it to me i was at that moment i was but it's part of the game you know the the tom and lex thing i mean the the Tom and Rob thing was an issue. The Jerry getting booed is an issue. So, you know, your emotions are high. Your your entire life is the game when you're out there. So I can see how emotions in, in these. But after the game, listen, I was, I tried to remain friends with everyone you know, I was a gamer, like, you know, I play sports, you lose, you win, it's how you bounce back is what's important part. But you know, there was definitely some lasting kind of frenemy situations. But I would have these charity events for grassroots soccer, we'd have these celebrity soccer games, I invited the entire cast of all stars, and we're all fine, once we're together. You know, I think people build it up a little bit on the podcast and in the media, just to, you know, keep the fire going. But you know, Lex and Tom, Lex and Rob, you know, they're fine. I'm Betty's with Lex and Tom still, you know, I talked to Jenna, you know, there's no hard feelings on my side.
2: Hmm. Well, speaking of Jenna, there is a long time rumor that you were offered a returnee spot in South Pacific to compete against Jenna. Uh, can you confirm or deny that rumor?
0: What season was that? So that was where South like Pacific? coach and Aussie came back to yeah. head up tribes. It's twenty twenty mm. three?
1: 23. 23, 23. I, I was, and if it was around 2016,
2: I got a call. You know, it's like 2011, 2012.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think I was given that. I don't think we were given that call. As far, as far as I so, remember. From or what I you're didn't saying, though, I was still, don't forget, I was still, uh, you know, when Heroes versus Villains was going on, I was in the hospital getting, you know, treatment for cancer. And then 2012, I wasn't even healthy enough to go back to return mm-hmm. for the, the show. Um, so no. 2016, I was asked back. Um, the blood versus water thing was going around. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever season Second Chances happened in 16, but I was getting married that year. So, like, I would have returned the night of my... My uh, rehearsal dinner, so I said no to that one as well.
2: Did you know, though, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you've been getting those calls about returning seasons, it didn't quite work out, but did you always have the thought in your mind coming out of All-Stars that you would at some point return? I mean, I know there wasn't at that juncture an All-Winners season in mind, but was it in you at that point? You're back on the island somehow? Um, I always thought there'd be an All-Winners version.
1: I didn't think there was going to be... I mean, I knew there'd be other things happening in between, but I personally felt like I wouldn't have been asked back until there was an all-winner season. Obviously, when they did like Heroes Villains, I'm like, oh, that, that, I probably would have been asked back for that. But like I said, I was kind of doing some other stuff. So there's definitely... I knew I'd be asked back at some point. I just didn't know when. And obviously, I had to get myself healthy enough, like physically and mentally, yeah. to go back out there on the show again, which, you know, I barely made it for this past season 40.
2: Yeah, but you had a really memorable turn on season forty. Uh, one for of the few memorable failing turns. Failing miserably is what my. Uh, yeah, but uh, but triumphantly failing. <laughs> triumphantly I say. failing, right? Exactly. Yeah. Which I mean, that's failing worth something, up hill, right? Yeah. Failing, failing uphill. Yes. Literally. Okay, wait. Speaking. <laughs> yes. Speaking <laughs> once again about Jenna, she was recently on talking with T Bird and spoke about her frustrations with the amount of twists and changes to the show, mm. namely how the contestants are being fed too much. Jenna admitted yeah. she doesn't watch the show at present, so what she might not know is that the, you know, the show went down from 39 to 26 days, which might be some of the reason why the contestants are not as thin by the end of it as they once were. Right. But I am curious for your perspective, having played in one of the earliest and most recent seasons, I understand that season 40 is not considered new school, mm. but I also think that there's been a big evolution up, to, you know, that took place in 40. What changes did you observe in terms of the water and food supply?
1: I mean the it was there you know uh survivor africa very little food maybe a handful maybe six or seven cans of food and then like cattle feed and we picked out the corn from the cattle field and we ground it and we made it into a slop so the food situation was a lot less on africa um, than it was on 40 like there was plenty of rice and you know Tyson and I had a similar strategy where, like, I personally believe that, you know, I can out anyone out there. Like, that's my thing. You know, I'm Jewish, right? I'm, uh, I can out-suffer anyone. I'm really good at surviving things. You know, I went through cancer, you know. So uh, I felt like, no. so basically we wanted to use all the food as quick as possible so other people would suffer, right? So Tyson was making giant mounds of rice, eating all the coconuts on purpose because, you know, when that goes away, he felt he's better and I felt I was better at starving than everyone else. So that was kind of one food strategy that was different. There's plenty of food on 40. On Edge of Extinction, not the case at all. Like we literally had, I mean, less than a, a shell's worth of, you know, rice for us each day. So that was torture. The food on Edge of Extinction was less than the food on Africa. So put it that way uh the water situation it was awesome you know africa we had to walk 45 minutes we'd have to get to the water source sometimes there'd be an elephant there we'd have to wait for the elephant to leave we'd fucking push away their shit that was that they left for us in the water source we would dig a hole let the hole fill up with water put our canteens in there walk 45 minutes back strain it through a buff let it boil for five minutes let it cool then we could drink it and then now you just go to a well I actually walked around. I saw someone putting water into the well. So, like now, it's really easy. Water's not an issue. Food's not an issue. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm so old school. Nothing's going to break that from me. And I truly believe that some of the things that made Survivor super kind of uh, authentic and awesome back in the day just don't exist anymore. Survival's not an issue. You know, it, it's just not part of the game anymore. Um it's not thirty nine days, it's twenty six days. That's you know there's there's an average or below average player can go far in the game due to all the mistakes that other people are doing with these you know advantages, clues, disadvantages, ways to get back in the game. So you know, currently this most recent season, you look at the three final players, I would say, we're good, but average, right? I think the the players That's that were generous. playing so hard. You get penalized for playing hard now. You get penalized for strategizing publicly. You get penalized by looking for an idol. You know, so back in the day, it was just you. Like, that's it. You made your decisions. You had to forge your way forward. There's no idols. There's no clues. You got it. Challenges were built. Challenges were actually important. You know, that was part of the game. You look forward to the challenges. Um, so I think some of the things that made the game exciting back then are stripped away. But obviously, there's incredible exciting stuff that's new in the game as well so it's just a little it's not better or worse it's just different
2: well let me follow up on that sure. because you know you say it's not better or worse it's different uh in my opinion and i know i wasn't asked but i'm just i think it is for what the is worse. your opinion, my opinion about
1: the current game of survivor
2: <laughs> that's a whole other podcast okay. um but uh yeah i do but just short answer being i think a lot of that is for the worst and so i'm wondering can you present to me the argument of the ways in which the changes to the game have improved or or sort of kept you engaged with the show? Well- Because you're pointing out a lot of things about the way the show was that are like super enticing.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think the strategy is more difficult because of the reasons I mentioned so I think that's exciting to see how people are going to adapt you know Survivor's all about you know adaptation that's the key to survival so how are these people going to adapt with three tribe switches instead of one you know how are they going to adapt with 15 idols versus none right you know so like I think this most current season someone said that like at one point I mean you look what happened with Siri. I don't know what season it was, but she got voted off cuz like everyone else had an idol or a clue and she was the only one that didn't. Like that just seems so backwards. It just seems like back in the day you had control of your own destiny in some way and now it's just a total free for all cuz you have no idea what's out there, what's being played, what people are hiding. So that that the the surprise and the the uh Innovation around challenges and clues is kind of exciting. I always like to see what's going to happen. The fire tokens, it was a total bust, right? Didn't work, they didn't bring those back. So they're, they're testing things out. So I like that part of the game, and I like the strategy part of the game. But like I said, the things that uh, I feel make it exciting, like the torture and starvation of going 39 days, the the weight and the uh, importance of the actual immunity challenges are huge back in the day. Survival aspects. Um, you know, the whole point of the game is to vote people off and not get voted off. And sometimes, you know, with the edge of extinction, you didn't even really get voted off. You know,
0: so like there's things that are happening that just change the game. And as you mentioned earlier, I think the personal relationships, like they don't hold as much weight anymore in the game. Yes. So it's such a big draw for a viewer. Yes.
1: I, I, you know, sorry I jumped in on you on that, but I agree because you see now they're doing a little they're doing these little backstory vignettes so you actually learn about the player so you can actually either like them or dislike them. In that moment, when before there's enough time going on where they could actually show on the, the 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 episode your relationship with that person, you know, if you remember this most recent season, I don't remember someone Owen took someone on a reward challenge because oh we're so close. I need I had no idea they're even friends. Like you know they didn't yeah. show those two becoming so close out there. So when he picked her, I was like, why would he ever pick her? That's a horrible decision. Yeah. Meanwhile, they were best friends on the show, but I didn't even know that. Like, I didn't even know who's friends, who's not friends, who's bonded, you know, to the end, who's not bonded to the end. So the personal development, the, the character development, the, the way they kind of uh, portrayed each person for the viewer to enjoy, I think doesn't exist. So it's harder for the viewer to attach themselves and live vicariously through any of the characters.
2: Yeah, agreed. And I will say you're pointing out a a lot of cons, which (laughs) I'm in agreement with you on. And it's interesting. We have had a bunch of alumni on the show, as you know, and like when Jerry Manthe was on with Sean, they recapped the most recent season together. And Jerry had such positive things to say that really, I was like really heartened by it because I was like, oh, I love this perspective that I hadn't considered. But then we had Parvati back on recently. (laughs) And Parvati, I felt was the first guest that we had on that was really willing to, I don't want to say shit on the show, but like willing to say a lot of the things that a lot of us viewers are thinking that we don't often hear alumni say. Sometimes I think that's because alumni want to maintain the good graces of production with the hope of returning, but like it's refreshing to hear someone say, and I appreciate the fact that you're giving me both sides of it all, or giving us both sides of it all, but um, I do think there are some times that I'm curious about, you know, especially old school players' true thoughts on what I would consider the devolution of the game. Um, and so it's interesting to hear your perspective on this. Yeah, I mean, I just think they could
1: scale it back a little bit. You know, I, I, I don't think idols are a bad thing. I don't think a clue, you know, uh, an advantage here or there is a bad thing. I just think it was too much. There's one point I literally couldn't even keep track of anything. Um, you know, also the challenges, you know, if the every challenge... You know I don't know, first 10 12 seasons every challenge was different you never had a repeat challenge maybe a little bit it was a water one or you know climbing a tree one or whatever but now it's kind of like the chat you know what challenges are gonna, I mean this most recent season they switched it up a little bit but you kind of knew what challenges were gonna come like they're kind of the same challenges every season you know the, the obviously they're incredibly creative in the, the the challenge department and the art department are awesome but you know I us like switch it up a little bit. Let's like keep it more exciting and the challenges part of everything. Listen, I don't, the show has got to evolve. I would think it's got to change. And I think they do a good job of keeping up with what's going on in the world today. You know, if you look at how information is, I mean, these millennials and Gen Z's, they can't keep a secret. And you know, they, They don't know how uh, to hold information back. And it's kind of like what happens in the real world, you know, with like Instagram and Twitter. Everyone just shares everything. And you see it reflected in, uh, you know, the show, even what's going on with, you know, diversity and everything. It's now reflected in the show, which is fantastic. So I just think the show is trying to, like, pick up on clues of what's going on in the real world. And obviously it's working. People still love it. The new generation who haven't seen the old school, they think it's freaking awesome, right? And so... Maybe they're appealing to folks like us who've been watching it for 20 years, or maybe they're appealing to the new people. But, like,
0: I don't know. Everyone still loves it. So they're doing something right. Okay, I want to talk about something that Parvati brought up to us about you. She said that you're a connector and that you know everybody in the Survivor world. And I'm curious, and, and actually one of our listeners submitted this question. April wants to know, who do you keep in touch with from survivor whether it's a season you played on with them or not that that we might be surprised about because i think we you know we know that you're friends with the tysons and the robs and the parvates and, and 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 all those uh people from winners at war but like are, are there anybody that you, that you're like a, a really close friend with that we would be surprised about
1: um i would say i'm fairly close friends you know I do talk to a bunch. I'm, I'm very receptive and I'll show up anywhere. Like, I don't care. Grand reopening of Punjab Delhi. You want me there? I'll be there. Uh, <laughs> Drop Your Bus podcast. I'll show up. It doesn't matter yeah. where, you know, you know, but uh, Mitchell Olson from All Stars. I mean, from Australia. You know, I stay in touch with him. Oh. Tall, tall guy. He's, you know, Yeah. Oh, yeah. he's definitely, uh, you know, on my docket of people I stay in touch with. Uh, the regulars you just mentioned, Lex Tom. I don't know, I'm in touch with Frank. You know, I just was speaking with Frank the other day from, from Survivor. Rob Nino, I'm um, wow. in touch with uh, Johnny Fairplay. You know, you may not think we're friends. We we talk every now and then. Um, I guess, I don't know who else. would. You know, I'm in, somewhat in touch with Cochran, somewhat to Fishbach. You know, I guess the people are still, you know, in the public eye a little bit in and around Survivor. Maybe not Cochran so much, but, uh, you know. Sophie just got married and Bobby I'm, t- I'm in touch with. when
2: them, was the last time that you spoke to Kathy
1: oh Kathy I'm not in touch with not in a bad way I just have lost no, touch no, no, yeah, which yeah. is strange because I think she lives in Vermont um and I am in New Hampshire so we're close by but it's been years she and every now and then you know she's a, a big real estate uh person in New York City so I was in touch with her my wife actually designed an apartment that she sold so we were in touch uh back then probably about three years
2: ago wow
1: colby i'm curious burton roberts colby donaldson Burton. yeah burton yeah i'm in touch with burton a bunch actually. love burton love burton love (laughs) burton and uh yeah and then a couple people from amazing race like alex boylan from amazing race i know we're we're diverting now from survivor sorry you might (laughs) not know who i'm
2: talking about (laughs) <laughs> um strangely yeah sean and i both were like big reality competition people neither of us have ever seen the amazing race no, 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 like the,
0: i've watched like the first like f- five seasons okay. maybe oh but I fell off. okay that's a lot <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. well they're on like 30 something <laughs> are you, you guys aren't related are you sean <laughs> no, no name we're not okay. no now okay. yeah, i know it's confusing <laughs> right
2: it's okay um <laughs> Okay, I'm wondering what your thoughts are around Survivor and how you know production maintains its relationship with alumni. Um, we had Vesepia on the podcast recently, and Vesepia mentioned the fact that she ha- was never contacted by production ever to return, and especially frustrating to know that she was not even contacted about Winners at War. Mm. Um, and there are just certain players that sort of just completely fall off. I mean, Stephanie LaGrosa, for instance, mm. who's had having a major renaissance right now thanks to the Traders US. Um, She's someone who was like one of the biggest players ever at the time. But then after, you know, uh, Heroes versus Villains has never been heard from again in the Survivor-verse. And many of like these new school fans wouldn't even know someone like Stephanie. Right. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are because it's like there are certain people like the Robs and the Parvates of the world who definitely stay top of mind um, and are sort of, you know, in the Survivor lore. But there are people like Stephanie who were a Parvati of her time that sort of fall off. And I'm wondering if you think Survivor as a institution could do a better job of maintaining its alumni network.
1: To be honest, I think it's upon the people themselves to drive that a little bit, right? Tyson, Rob, myself, Parvati, we're all kind of in it. Like we're still posting about Survivor. We're talking about Survivor. We show up at events. Sometimes it's just kind of part of our person. Um, I think, and this was, I think a little bit more recently with social media. Like the first time I played, the first two times I played, there was no social media, right? So the second time I played, there was. So it's a lot easier to be in the public eye when you're on a recent season and there's social media. It's just easier to keep the momentum going. I think with someone like Stephanie, you know, if she wanted to be in the public eye and she wanted to be involved with Survivor, she could have. I think it was just a personal choice not to kind of do that stuff anymore. You know, she had married, she got kids, she was doing fine on her own right. So I think it's just a a choice. I don't think, you know, CBS, I don't think it's their job to keep the contestants relevant or current or whatnot. You know, obviously they could do some mashup shows with the trying out with the challenge and a little bit the traders and bringing back some all stars seasons. But I don't think it's their job to keep us in the public eye. You know, I think that's on our on our own.
2: What about the? Because I know there was that big ten-year reunion back in 2010, yeah. but I imagine maybe there was one that was underway for 20, but that was canceled because of COVID. But like, who organized the ten-year the reunion? For instance, was that CBS?
1: That was a. I'm pretty sure that was a CBS thing. I was, you know, fucked up on drugs and the stem cell transplant for, for cancer, so I wasn't really paying attention too much. But I know Je- Jenna went out there. I was dating Jenna at the time, and she was doing some red carpet stuff out there. So CBS definitely you know, uh, organize that one. And I think there was something that we were going to have a, you know, a 40 reunion that was canceled. There was going to be a a 20 year commemorative anthology book that was supposed to be released. I don't know if it was or not. I saw the, you know, the digital version of it. I don't know if it actually went out in public yet, but that was kind of something that they were working on. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know where else to go with that. (laughs) do you have any thoughts on it you know would you like to see more revivals would you like to see like what uh mark long is doing with uh, the mtv kind of challenge and kind of doing that with survivors like he's bringing back you know a bunch of mtv challenge people going straight to paramount plus like and then survivor could potentially do the same thing i mean the set exists you know what i you know I would never go back for like a 26-day game or 39-day game. But if they said, hey, Ethan, do you want to come back for a a 7-10-day to game? I would do that. That's not a problem, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, looking at it from the perspective of Bravo, which began sort of, they call them the ultimate girls trips now, where they combine housewives from different seasons. There's one of my favorite housewives of all time. Her name is Alex McCord. She moved to Australia after filming Real Housewives of New York and was like, I'll never come back. And he kept calling her, trying to get her back. She was like, no, no, no. Called her up with Ultimate Girls Trip and was like, hey, do you wanna do a two week vacation in Morocco? And so now we haven't had Alex McCord on our television screen since 2012. It's been over a decade. And Alex McCord is currently in Morocco filming because of the same thing as you say, where it's like if you can give people a shortened contract, it's much more incentivizing often. To your point, or to your question, yes, I'm all for different cinematic universes that incorporate Survivor alumni, but I also would like to see the show lean more heavily on its alumni for All-Star seasons. We got that messaging from Jeff after 40 saying that there was right. they were gonna halt on any returning player seasons, and I just feel like, there is this incredible stable of talent that we are so eager to see mm. play this game once more. Something that you pointed out in this interview that's interesting is like Rob Mariano coming onto All-Stars was a kind of like a, what's he doing here? And then went and became this survivor legend. I imagine that there are other players in the docket that had a bad go their first round that could come back and absolutely dominate. And I feel like that's what I am eager to see more mm. of
1: as the show moves forward. Interesting. Yeah. I mean- I I can't deny that, you know, uh, it's, it's always fun to see new players play. Uh, however, you know, an experienced player would dominate, you know, some of these new players, even though they've seen 44 seasons, I'm shocked at some of their decisions they're making on these new seasons. And i just feel like some returning players, even if you just play the game once before you are, have such a leg up on the competition. I mean, look what happened with when the season that Rob won, right? How hard was that? It was his fourth time playing. He had Russell, who's useless in general, um, and then he had him. Like if he didn't win the game, I would be very surprised. Like you, uh, you know, it's imagine playing in like four World Series and then never playing one. You're going to be incredible, and be better than everyone else. So uh, I think it's just an interesting thought i know i guess the first time they could probably bring these people back now if he said i don't want anyone before 40 then we're looking at what season 48 49 50 he'd have enough returning players to you know make a full tribe or maybe two tribes for a returning season but before that i haven't seen many characters that could be returned since after season 40.
0: yeah Okay, let's go back to season 40. Oh, boy. And, uh, All right. <laughs> well, I, I'm just curious because you you go out there, and I know there was a lot of pre-gaming, so you kind of probably knew who was going to be out there, but I do think there was some shocking omissions. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you omissions. felt the same way, that you got out there and you were like, wait a second, where is so-and-so? Was there anybody that you were surprised was not there?
1: Well, I was a little surprised that Hatch and Tina were not there. Mm. Mm, but, you know, they only had, what, 20 spots I was surprised that Nick was out there. I was shocked that Amber was out there. Obviously, everyone yeah. was. I think some people were surprised I was out there just due to my you know, health concerns. I don't think people... I was surprised to see Danny out there. Um, hmm. But who else am I thinking? You know, I guess, I don't know, Brian Heideck, I did not expect to see out there. Vesepia, I didn't see expect. I mean, we could go through everyone, but uh, I think that would be my... Who, are you guys surprised you didn't see someone out there and
2: specifically?
0: I think Tina, ha- Tina and yeah. Hatch, for sure. And I think Todd from China. Oh, yeah. I was Todd. surprised not to yep. see. I agree. Yeah. yeah.
2: And just more of an effort to even the playing field between old school and new school, because I think one of the frustrating things from the viewer perspective, even if you're not a bigger fan of the old school players as we are, it just was so unfair watching them dominate through the game. And then on top of that, when Danny turned, it's like the numbers were already so against the old school. And then to have Danny flip and go over, it's just like, Jesus Christ. So that was uh, definitely did not work out to the advantage of you or I mean, to how set the record straight,
1: From my memory, and you can talk to people, there was never an old-school alliance that included Danny, to be honest. Um, so when she said that, and I was in front of Ben, I was one shocked that she said it, that there was an alliance because it literally wasn't true. I had an alliance with Rob in poverty, but Danny was not part of that unless i didn't know something that parvati or rob said so when she came out and said that i was like what like one it's wrong and two you just revealed something that's going to hurt us and was wrong so and then she got voted off that night in a good way because you know she was flip-flopping all the way around she was with us maybe she wasn't with us and then she turned against us and tried to go after parvati
2: it's just such a bummer because there's a world in which I think winners at war could have been an iconic season mm-hmm. and I think things just kept going wrong yeah. um, and it's a bummer it but a bummer. Uh, I mean like the maybe f- winners Nick, at war like, too.
1: <laughs> Nick Sarah, Denise, Tony, final four I mean or, or or you know Michelle, I love Tony I thought played an incredible game, but you know Ben Sarah, denise yeah. average Nick average. I mean, everyone kind of played an average game. I was on the edge of extinction just dreaming I was in the real game. So here, I'm just a little bit, you know, a little bit annoyed and frustrated. <laughs> I didn't get to play longer. That was me. Once I got to the edge of extinction, I was like, ugh, this, I'm, I'm fucked because I knew who else was going to be coming to the edge. Uh, right. You know, every time, Tyson, Rob, Parvati, Wendell. i like, ugh, I'm never getting off this freaking purgatory in the South Pacific.
0: And that's where the real show was. Like, I want to
1: see that show. You do. You do. I mean, there's a lot of downtime. There wasn't that much happening. And I remember talking. Obviously, Natalie played an incredible game, and she hid the fact that there were even clues out there. I remember sitting next to Natalie at Tribal Council when some of the first clues were getting sent back into the main game. And I looked at her and I'm like, can you believe they think we're sending clues over there? Meanwhile, she's the one sending them. And she's <laughs> like, yeah. And I had no clue what was going on because she hit it so well. And Rob and I remember talking. He's like, there's got to be, there was like four or five days where like nothing was happening. And we're like, there's got to be something else out here. There's got to be more to this game. They wouldn't just let us sit out here and suffer And meanwhile, like Natalie was finding all the clues because she knew there were clues and she knew to look for them. We didn't even know to look for them.
2: Which lends itself even more to why you would give Natalie your vote in the end. I mean, she played an incredibly savvy game both in and outside of the game. I was torn. Um, Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead.
1: No, I mean, I was torn with my decision because I am a purist. I'm a game player. Like part of the game is, like I said, voting people off and not getting voted off. She did not do that. She just got voted off. And, but I had never played with Tony. I never spoke to him, never shook his hand. I competed maybe in a couple of tribal challenges with him, but I didn't, didn't know anything about him. Yet, Natalie, I lived with every single day for 35 days or 31 days. And, you know, it's like she broke free. She like got out of jail and she's like representing me over there. She was my dream. And uh, I was more of an emotional player. I played with my heart more than my brain. So in the I had every intention of voting for Tony. But when I got to the final tribal, I switched it and voted for Natalie just because, I don't know, at that time, it was the right decision for me.
2: Mm. Well, I'm glad you did. Um, I recently lost my dad to cancer and in sharing that story on social media, I had so many people unsolicited come forward telling me about their own experiences battling cancer or watching loved ones. And I was thinking about your coming out with your cancer diagnosis when you did and how unique it was in that time, because so often the stories of people with cancer were celebrities. And so there was that sort of distance that so many everyday people had because they couldn't relate to the. life of a celebrity, even if it was via cancer, and you came forward and were a non-celebrity but a famous figure, I mean, sort of a hybrid celebrity of some type, and you were coming forward and, and sharing your journey, and I think that's part of why it resonated with so many people so deeply, I'm quickly becoming overwhelmed by having to take on people's cancer traumas while also understanding the desire that people have to connect through this shared experience, right, of grief, and grief specifically through cancer, both survival and death. I'm wondering how you handled that both then and now.
1: I'm sorry uh, to hear that you lost your father. That's- uh, Thank you. I lost my father when I was 14 years old. And so I've experienced, you know, that. So I'm sorry I have to go through that. Um, For myself, at the time, this is in 2009, you know so all stars was 2004 so there's a little bit of a buffer there i wasn't like top of my game celebrity wise but it was interesting because i had when i the reason i chose to go public may not uh, resonate with everyone but there were other people trying to leak the story before i was um you know the Photographers were outside my apartment hoping to get me bald, you know, with chemo. Here's this curly haired soccer dude. Now he's bald with chemo and a mask. Like, I've never been so famous as I was when I was sick, which is a little bit weird take on American culture and celebrity, right? Like, I don't know why that yeah. happened, but I was more famous, you know, when I died. So I wanted to take control of the narrative. So I chose to go public in that moment. And it turned out to be, you know, I didn't know what would happen if I opened up my life to complete strangers again, like I did on Survivor. But it was, a, in the end, it was a good choice um, because I could control that narrative. And, you know, people.com, I did a video blog, I, I did the, the highs and lows. It, it was vlogging back in the day. So I had a video series really showing the raw, authentic, dark side of cancer. And I don't think anyone was doing that at the time. And what I found was, just like you said, so many people reached out to me and said, "Oh, I saw you in this interview. I saw you there, and I had that same crazy itch. And I went to the doctors. I got diagnosed with lymphoma." So playing some role in helping other people get diagnosed or helping them manage their cancer care made it worthwhile for me to talk about my story. And I just think there's no other way. Like, there, at, at the first part, I was trying to. It's going to sound weird, but like I had the public, like the media, and myself, and survivor built me up to be this like. Nice guy, this champion, this survivor, this hero, this super strong guy. So I felt like I had to live that while going through cancer in the public eye. So, it 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 I was living two different lives because I do this publicly mm. and then I come home and I'd be like you know depressed and throwing up and wouldn't leave the house for two days. So I was. My mom said, "Listen, Ethan, like." she saw me on CBS early show. She's like, you got to tell people what it's really like. Yeah, it's good to have a positive attitude. Yeah, rah, rah, rah. You know, I'm strong, fight hard. But like, that's not really what's going on. And as soon as I changed that and I told people what cancer was really like and how I really felt, that's when it clicked. That's when the door opened. That's when I was able to connect with folks out there because I was telling them what cancer was really like. And so that is kind of built me up to where I am today. And like you, yeah, there's a lot of influx. Like when you choose to go public with a story of any health challenge or any challenge, you gotta be prepared for what's gonna come back to you. And at first I wasn't prepared for that. I was completely overwhelmed. I was too close to my own illness and it was ripping open the scars and these invisible scars and these dump trucks full of uncertainty every time anyone reached out to me. I have lymphoma, my dad died of lymphoma, I have cancer, it was like, you can imagine. So, um, you know, it's been difficult. So now I just kind of, I have a, a little bit of a buffer. You know, I have, I interact with people. I refer them for anyone, for yourself, anyone who's listening, who's going through cancer. If you're a cancer survivor, patient, a caregiver, there's an incredible app called Cancer Buddy. And for lack of a better word, it's kind of like Tinder, but not for love, for connection, for cancer people. So like, I filled out my name, my age, my likes, my dislike, where was treated, my hobbies. And then they paired me up with someone who had very similar so we could connect and commiserate or chat or or share and it's just been an incredible uh and
2: and it's
1: for me sharing other people and, and and connecting with other people going through the same thing at the same time was a blessing
2: Did you have any concerns going into 40? I mean, I know you're cancer-free, but my dad was cancer-free and ended up dying of a disease brought on by the transplant. And so, you know, being cancer-free is not always necessarily free from the complications of cancer, as you well know. And Survivor is an incredibly rigorous uh, game, as you were tested very much so in season three, as you've described. And I have to imagine there were just concerns that either you or your doctors had about the rigors of the game. How did you handle those conversations?
1: uh well i had all my medical you know tested and i was fine in theory uh but i was nervous i was incredibly nervous you know i've read reports like you know if you are super stressed and uh and you know uh survival situations and your body's broken down it gives the cancer a chance to grow right so here i was competing in a really stressful game on top of the fact that, you know, I'm just a naturally uh, neurotic guy, I guess you could say. There's a lot of anxiety in my life anyway. And then when I was out there and, you know, I was skinny, I was tired, I was hungry, but not hungry. I missed my family, I miss my wife. And I, the last time I felt that way was when I was sick. So it instantly thrust me back to a, a situation in my life that I wasn't prepared for. And that was really scary for me because I just, I just started getting some ruminating, you know, bad dark thoughts luckily there's some folks out there poverty was there i talked to her a little bit about it i was i set up some tools before i left you know visualization chanting meditation to kind of get me out of those dark moments in case they did happen but you know like we said the days are long the nights are longer like it gets dark at five you're freezing you're sitting by the fire it doesn't get light until six and you just have yourself and your own thoughts to like It was torturous for me because I thought I was giving myself cancer again. So, yeah, that was really scary for me out there. Um, But I got through it. And, you know, I just kind of wanted to obviously, you know, make a statement on uh, someone, anyone who's gone through a health challenge that, you know, you can overcome it. You can get yourself healthy again and uh, you can go compete in the game like Survivor.
2: And you did. I mean, when I look back on season 40 of Survivor, there's very few things I remember about it because it's such an incredibly unmemorable season. <laughs> and your journey is what stands out for me oh. as like, if that season was worth anything, it was telling your story and hopefully how it resonates for others. And also not just those living with or without cancer. It's even, it's a bigger. it's a story much bigger than that. It's just about perseverance, which I think is the root of the concept of the show, right? Yeah. Like how one survives, which you quite literally have. Right.
1: I would like to, one thing about that season, which I think is interesting, um, you know, touching on, you know, the, the season 40, the whole log challenge thing, you know, obviously I got a great edit and that, and uh, obviously an inspirational moment, but I also think the people that were there with me don't get as much credit. They focused on me, but what they didn't focus on was like, I fell down and these three women had already finished the log challenge, which fucking sucked yet they came back and they lifted me up and they walked with me that final log and so just the i don't know the friendship the community the empathy it transcended the game in that moment and those three women uh deserve a lot of credit you know natalie danny and amber for just kind of doing something really kind in the middle of this horrible cutthroat game of survivor that was totally unexpected to me obviously you know probes and production focused on me and my story but what they didn't focus on is those three and i just think they it was a really nice gesture and it just i don't know gave me some confidence that uh in humans and human nature and uh empathy and compassion so i just wanted to make that statement Mm.
0: and a redemption moment for danny
2: (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) she needed it so yeah it's good (laughs) um one of our fascinations on this podcast is Jeff Probst uh, and the evolution of Jeff Probst as a host of this show and then also eventually an executive producer of the show. And you have this incredibly unique vantage point of having met him in sort of his infancy as a host when I think it's fair to say he was a lot more looser. I mean, I was just listening to Jenna Morasco's Talking with T-Bird and she sort of talked about the Jeff behind the scenes and how he the camaraderie he used to have with the cast and I get the sense that the Jeff of, you know, season 43 is a lot more buttoned up. Um, he seems a lot more uh, oriented towards the family friendly aspects of Survivor. Whereas Jenna was saying that like Jeff was notorious for like always dropping F-bombs uh, during her season, which is something is so contrary to the Jeff we know today. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, you, you know the man well, and what are your thoughts on watching the evolution of Probst as this television character?
1: You know, I feel in the earlier games that Jeff was uh, almost as excited as we were to see how the game would unfold in the moment. I feel like, you know, he went into Tribal Council not having much information. This is just my impression. It could be totally off because that was my first time playing. He went into Tribal Council not knowing much, trying to draw the information out of the contestants as like a real lawyer like a real judge and i think that was fun um i think as the seasons went on he was able to have more and more information going into tribal so now i feel he's very pointed uh and strategic in his questioning and who he's questioning and why he's questioning them um whether that's to throw them off whether that's to reveal some part of the game that people didn't know about but um he I think there's an agenda there sometimes. And I think that comes with having more and more weight and input and um, power within the game. Like before, he was hired as a host to host Survivor. And his evolution is now producer. He gets into casting now, he's doing some of the challenges, he's executive producer, like this is his baby. So I think he's just a little bit more involved, whether he's too involved, I don't know, the show's, you know, pretty, pretty good. So I think that's one big difference I see in Jeff is just his... Uh, total knowledge of the game and being able to pull information out of people. So in that sense, yeah, maybe he's a little less loose. Uh, Maybe he's a little more concerned with, you know, things that he may say might, you know, impact the show, get the show canceled, things along those lines. But bottom line is, like, Jeff's – I think he makes something that has the potential to be incredibly cheesy less cheesy, you know? Like, I think he does a really good job. If you see him in the moment, like, he's not reading anything – He's reacting to some of the comments, even some of these heavy issues with diversity and, um, you know, all the uh, issues with Daniel and, you know, uh, those things. He does an incredible job in the moment to deal with those situations where, you know, not that I'm a host, but I, I don't think I could have done that. So I think he does good at diffusing situations as well
0: there was once rumors of a legend season i think people thought it might be season 40 that turned into an all-winner season they sort of persisted, but we have not given them up. So in our minds, season 50 is survivor legends. Ooh. And we always ask people who they would want to see on the legend season. Obviously, we want to see you. You've said a few times that you're not interested in playing again. Um, but you know, you are a legend. Thank so you, you you've, the spot is there for you. Okay. Uh, whether you went on or not.
2: I think you could be convinced. I, just <laughs> I could probably have, probably have be that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: 26 <laughs> days. Anyone can play a 26-day game, honestly.
2: Well, Survivor Legends... Uh, so Survivor were, Legends is going to be 39. Yeah, oh, it yeah. be 50. We're it back might, to basically We basics. might make it longer. Oh, right. yeah. 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 50 days. This is like our Australia. season.
0: We, we are taking ownership of this season. Got it. Season. Yeah. Okay. So we make the rules. So <laughs> there's also going to be more women than men uh, in this season. <laughs> so, <okay. laughs> I, would, I mean, an all-women season would be okay. I don't think that would be... We'd love that. Okay, so let's say Survivor Legends, all women. Who do you want to see? Survivor Legends, all <laughs> women. Oh, my God.
1: Well, you got to have Sandra. You got to have Parvati.
0: Is there um, anybody you played with in the old school? It doesn't I have mean, to
1: be I, Kelly, I, I, I always think Kelly Goldsmith got a raw yes. end of the deal. Like, she was a fantastic player. She's kind of the only one that really knew how to play the game. And unfortunately she was probably too good. And that's why we voted her off. So I would definitely love to see Kelly Goldsmith play again. I think she was a great character. You mentioned Kathy. She's always a fun character. You know, don't forget we're all getting, we're getting up there. Like, you know, she's probably, uh, you know, close to 55, 60 right now. I don't even know. But even so better. it'd be a really old season for some of the people I'd like to see out there. To be honest, like there aren't many characters that stand out to me i mean my brain's just stuck on the old school you know Uh, i'd love to see rob Sesternino play again you know same i would love to see him play again
2: what about tom i feel like tom was this enormous character in those early seasons then we never saw him back on the show
1: yeah uh tom would be fun to see play again as well you know uh alicia would be fun you know my brain's stuck on all stars because obviously like you know i i can you name, I mean, you guys are experts and you're, you know, students of the game and, and huge fans, but like, who would you say in the current new seasons that you think would be good on a legend? Like where are you cutting off legends? Like, can you be on 44 and be a legend?
0: Or 42? Like, well, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll right. see. 43. Can you be a legend on 43. And come back in season two? I season
2: would on. say the last Survivor legend that we got would be Angelina from 37, I think is the last oh, legend. Okay.
1: Was she on? Was she? Is that Mike White season? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And didn't she make an appearance in the White Lotus, I think? She did indeed. I
2: would say the closest we've come to a legend of modern would be Shan. Okay. But I think Shan tanked her chances with her appearance on the challenge USA. And so that, that like uh, outside of survivor moments
1: impact that your legends cast.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Listen, we make the rules. Yeah. Right. No. um, (laughs) So I would say Angelina, probably the last one, but Legend our legend season is really focused on seasons 1 through 20 with an acute focus on 1 through 10 okay. Just because that's the survivor we love so we're not really right. here to like Relitigate the recent seasons and those players. They just had their chance We're sort of in favor of like the Cathy's the Todd Herzog's the mm-hmm. people who the Visepias, the people that don't get the shine that we feel is Necessary,
0: okay I like that. And the Kelly Goldsmiths. That's a a great addition. We
2: haven't had that one to the Legends season, so she's She's on the
0: cast now. But also, and I
2: don't know if I'd put him on Legends, but like a Brian Heidek is really interesting to me because like it's someone from that early era who we have no idea what life is like all these years later. So I think part of the function of either our Legends season or just all-star seasons moving forward is the chance to be like, what what the hell has this person been up to right. what are they like now that's why it was so exciting um is it kelly wigglesworth that yes. was on yep. yeah like seeing mm-hmm. her all those years later someone who is not top of mind in the survivor verse come back i mean admittedly she didn't come back and really sizzle but right. like you know but still it was that ex- was such an exciting so casting exciting, choice yeah. yeah i mean we're we'd love Colleen Haskell oh, Colleen uh, on our legend great. season. Um, Elizabeth Hasselbeck needs to come for the legend season. I mean, yeah, we've got Sue hawk. A, Sue, hey, you, she'll you never played be coming with back. Sue
0: Hawk. That, she, is, she is an all time legend. She is a legend. Um, I don't think she'll be back anytime soon. No, I don't think
2: so either. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that, that is our dream. So, okay. So, but what, from what we're yeah. gathering, just so we have it on record. Yeah. You're not interested in playing the game again, but the door is not, <laughs> it's a jar. In terms of the legend season. Right.
1: It, oh, okay. If you guys are planning the legend season, I'm in. Definitely. Okay. Great. Yeah. Great. Okay. I'm in. 100%. Okay, I feel
0: like we've got a lot of movement on this. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You went from not playing to right. you're, playing. you're in. Yeah. For you guys, though. For you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank okay. yeah. Convince poverty because she's, she's, she's adamant. adamant. She's not playing. Oh, man.
2: She's adamant. What's but the prize? Then, like, there's What's the that prize? That, uh, a five million. Yeah. We're going to five. Oh, everyone, everyone will be in for <laughs> five million. Trust me. Great. Great. (laughs) Um, We just need to find that sponsor now. But yeah, uh, yeah, we have the ask. And and
0: Tony's not going to be there. So. Nope. Oh, interesting. All right. right. The field is wide open. Yeah. I love it.
2: We will allow men, but the men that we allow are going to, it's like with discretion. (laughs) What about
0: Brandon? Like Brandon Hans? No, Brandon uh, from Survivor Africa. Um, Oh, Brandon. That's a good one. Because he
1: was, he was. He's a different person now, but he was, he was kind of the only one that didn't really, I felt, didn't have the more... Um, he didn't care about making friends. You know, that just wasn't part of it, which is fine, but it was new yeah. back then, so he was good. I mean, at my final, I totally screwed up my final travel. Like, he asked me the question, who's the one person that's least deserving to stand next to you right there? And I said, you, which probably wasn't the, uh, the, the right <laughs> choice, but I knew I wasn't getting his vote anyway, but uh, still... I feel bad about that. That's the one thing I feel bad about.
2: I would definitely be interested in him for an All-Stars, not for our Legend for season, okay. but for an All-Stars. What's the difference
1: between an All-Star and a Legend? Can you define that for me?
2: Interesting. Sean?
0: Oh, you're saying it's me. Well, <laughs> Maybe yeah, All-Stars nice
2: versus but- Legends. Oh, well, yeah, that, that, that uh, could that be, would be interesting.
0: interesting. Legends have, like, for me, legends have, there's a little bit of a lore around them. So it's like, it's like a Kathy Vavric O'Brien's a great one, because it's like, she was at one time this huge mm. character on Survivor, and then she disappeared. Right. And so she is legendary. <laughs> Where some of these people, they're like, they're just around all the time. Like, yeah. I know too much about them. Yeah. There's no mystique.
2: Yes, Sean. Uh, just because Ethan doesn't know, who do you consider the biggest Survivor legend?
0: Oh, Amanda Kimmel. Yeah. Oh, nice,
1: interesting. Yeah. yeah,
2: she
0: disappeared, huh?
2: That so again, that elevates her to legend because it's sort of like so we have a we have like a sort of thing that we're doing with Parvati right now where we're doing a, a, a mini series within Drop Your Buffs called Finding Amanda Kimmel. <laughs> um, yeah, <That's> so <laughs> stay tuned for that. There's but a yes, lot Parvati of people like agreed. Greg.
0: Greg from season one, Greg. disappeared. And it, but you see, Greg, Greg was actually in contention for second chances. I, when, oh, was when, he? Yeah, and uh, and the the rumor is he, he couldn't get the time off work, but he was like ready to go, uh, and and then never again. Wow.
1: Yes, I like the idea of like the lost tribe. Right. Yes. Everyone who's just disappeared after they played. Yeah. Uh, like Natalie
2: White, White from some. Natalie. And exactly. Like Fabio the best example. from Nicaragua. Yes. Exactly. Who we've been trying to track down, you know, who else is fascinating? Who's off the radar, but pops up once in a great while is Ian from Palau. Oh yeah. Uh, totally. Yep. I think is an all time. Great. Who definitely Palau, be, yeah. yeah, Kate. I mean, yeah, again,
1: Katie Gallagher, she would, that's another yes. one of mine. I would love to see her play again.
2: And she'd be someone, too, where it's like, again, we were presented this one version of her that I have a feeling we'd be able to see a whole different side of her Definitely. on All Stars. And that would complicate her character more. Because, again, too, think about the way women were depicted in those early years in yeah. particular. I mean, look at the way Jenna Maraska was portrayed and that reunion especially, too. And I think that people would be more willing to grant more grace to a lot of the female characters that were yeah. either done and dirty or, or given a rougher yeah. edit. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Katie
0: is uh, Katie is a producer on The Challenge now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did, I mean, if you, I watched
1: uh, Kim Spradlin's season, uh, one one world, I think it was, and mm-hmm. I was just mm-hmm. like shocked at how, I mean, if that play, you know, the, it was very the men versus women situation was very, you know, hard to watch in today's world, but back then it, yeah. went, it flew no problem. I mean, even some of the stuff it's Big Tom used to say. for me to, to watch say. back then.
0: <laughs> Probably, <laughs> uh, uh,
1: but yes.
2: Well. Ethan, thank you so much for your time. Anything else you want to add that we didn't cover or any, you know, major, You didn't ask me about uh, the
1: Crunch Bowl, which I'm pretty upset about.
2: Oh,
0: yeah. Hey, this was supposed... I, I meant to put this in my... Are you sick and tired of soggy cereal? No.
1: no. Give us the pitch. No, I'm just joking. Well, th- this is the Crunch Bowl. And I'm not joking. <laughs> I take it everywhere I go. For all you folks out there who are interested or sick of soggy cereal, this is the ultimate solution. This will... Keep your flimsy flakes safe all day long. So if you imagine a swimming pool, a swimming pool's got a shallow end and the deep end. Same with the crunch bowl, everyone. Keep your cereal up top. You put your milk down below. When you want a little crunch, you just tap it over the edge. So you've got the crunch wall here. This is a cereal slide. It doubles as a milk chute like that. It's got non-slip grip. It's microwave and dishwasher safe. It's stackable. And the best part about it is it's also a cell phone holder snack bowl. So you can eat your snacks. You can watch your cell phone just like that. You know. It's also good for chips, dips, salad, dressing, crackers, soup, apple pie, ice cream, hummus, carrots, whatever you want. This is the Super Bowl. There you go.
2: Is this purchasable?
1: Yeah. Go to mycrunchpole.com. We have green and we have blue.
0: And uh, you can pick yourself up one right now, one right here.
2: I'm going to purchase one, Ethan. He's a
0: winner, a philanthropist, an inventor. Yeah. And with Mm -hmm. the purchase of every bowl, we donate one meal to a child in need. So you can feel good about your purchase as well. So
2: incredible. Wow. Thank you. I'm glad we got that in. That was important. Can
0: I say something controversial? Yes.
2: You like soggy I cereal? I like soggy
0: cereal. Well, you know what? You have that option.
1: <laughs> you have that option. You don't have to load the shallow end. You can just put your cereal in here. You pour you the put milk it all in there. In. You can let it get yeah. soggy. I, I'm going to have to. And then when yeah. you, you have your reserve, your cereal reserve up here, and when this is yeah. done, you shove that in there and you let that get soggy.
0: Let that get soggy. Yeah. So you,
1: you, have, you have the best of both worlds.
0: Yeah. So like, there's some cereals I don't mind go.
1: being soggy. There, it's definitely true. Uh, frosty mini wheats I
2: like it a little soggy so I could suck the milk out of them. Yeah, but like a Rice Krispie can't get too soggy. <laughs> no, no,
1: you don't even mind. That's gross. Yeah,
2: yeah. but like, wow. yeah, there's definitely. I think it depends. But as you said, this this bowl you can kind of do it all. It's totally, it's
1: like the Swiss Army knives of bowls. This is it. This is what you need. This is the only bowl you'll ever need in your life.
2: All right, drop your buffs, listeners. You know what to do. <laughs> Activate. <laughs> buy, buy these bowls. Um, okay, anything else you want to reveal, just like hidden secrets, anything that you've uh, never before told on a podcast that will generate top-line news on all the Survivorverse? Go ahead. The, the platform is yours.
1: Well, as you know, I'm uh, a big advocate for plant-based wellness, um, including cannabis So when, and CBD. So when I was going through medical on for Survivor Season 40, I may or may not have uh, asked the question if, because I am a medical cannabis card holder, if I'm able to bring cannabis out there as my medicine. And it wasn't an instant no to answer your question, which people probably thought was an instant no. So they ran it up the flagpole and uh, the result was no. And that's because it's illegal in Fiji. So my theory uh-huh. is if we were competing in Survivor in a place where cannabis was legal... I may have been able to be have my own version of survivor instead of Survivor. Ooh. The only problem would be the munchies. That would be an issue, right? I wouldn't know. I would just be eating my foot by the end of the day. But yeah. um, I thought that was a kind of fun little fun fact.
2: All right. Well, being that we control uh, the location for Survivor <laughs> Legends, we can keep that in mind as we begin survivor to Canada, Location yeah. Scout. Yeah, there
1: you go. <laughs> I've always wanted to do a little version of that, like where, like you know, That, for example, all three of us would somehow be medicated and just review Survivor in real time. I think that would be really funny. Like Mystery Science Theater 3000, but just high the whole time. I'm trying
2: to think if that's happened in any of our recaps. We typically recap in the morning, so I don't know if I've ever done a high recap. But listen, Ethan, if you want to come back on for 44 and do a recap, yeah. Yeah totally down total something's got to you know, make yeah. this show interesting and not this show i mean season 44 of survivor i'm just oh, saying I you meant drop a rumor <laughs> has it from boston
1: rob who spoke to someone with the initials jp said this season is incredible best in a really long time according to jp and rm
2: okay i will just say though like i'm hopeful i am fucking hopeful um i just feel like that's like uh there's a thing that like is often said on shows like this where it's like this yeah this one's gonna be the one because also mind you this uh jp you speak of is also the one that called season 41 the most difficult season ever (laughs) um so i'm just saying consider the source right have you guys ever thought about a world when survivor isn't on like for me
1: and for all of us it's fun because two times a year relevant right when the premieres in in february or march all of a sudden people like look at us again for like a day or two but for me Uh you know for when survivor doesn't exist like what's the world going to be like with no survivor Mm. are people going to watch reruns are they going to like mash up different seasons and put them together is there going to be review shows like what does the world look like without survivor could happen soon. I think something sooner than we to, think.
0: I, I think there's something to like a break that uh, I'm not opposed to. Like a, a, a break. You know, a break can do a show a lot of good. Mm. Look at uh, Sex and the City and Just Like That. Didn't watch either of them, but like right. people are talking. Like it gets people talking again in a way that like if Sex and the City just continued on for 40 seasons, I think people wouldn't care. Where I care. like And Just Like That comes up and it's like a big talking point. Where I feel like I feel like you kind of got that with 41 that like, okay, now we're like, we're back. But then uh, Mm. I felt like the break maybe wasn't long enough or if the break was like three years or something and they came back and like, JP was replaced with Mm. EZ as host, like imagine. And then people are talking. Yeah, now we're talking or maybe two Also
2: too, I think as we're talking about these sort of like this expanded cinematic universe in which we have things like The Challenge or The Traitors, let me ask you, Ethan, because we are reviewing the tra- recapping the traders right now and fucking loving it. I are it. you open if you know Peacock were to call you today and be like, Ethan, season two of the traders? Are you packing your bag and heading to the castle? Packing my bags, heading to the castle, definitely.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's a show like I can, can do. It's do not too long of production. It's not too. You're getting food and water and sleep. So, and then it's just like I think I could do a show. I've only seen. A little bit of one episode, the first episode, uh, but oh, you I watched it with going. Parvati last week. So I'm gonna get dig in and I'll, I can have a better, uh, better result for you. Yeah, Parvati and I were hanging out all this past week. You guys didn't catch that?
0: We should have no, caught. I mean, I caught that, that, but did I know you were watching The Traders? Oh, yeah, I, I mean, the missed traders, that. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, she didn't even let us know um okay well you gotta stick with it uh the u.s traders takes a little while to get going but our grocery really activates around Mm. episode four and that's when the wheels begin turning but if you're hankering for a reality show to fall in love with the traders uk Mm. is really where it's at
1: okay i will take your advice and uh yeah dig in definitely dig in
2: all right, Ethan, this has been a real thrill. Uh, hope to have you back uh, to recap season 44, the best season of Survivor ever, uh, as we are optimistic about, because uh, we need a good season of Survivor. Um, but uh, for anyone in the meantime, uh, they can binge season three, season eight. Maybe if you wanna dive into season 40, that's Just the first five your episodes discretion. of
1: season 40 is the best, yeah. yeah.
2: There you go, Um, but truly thank you so much. And I mean, I think that, I mean, listen, we throw around the word legend a lot, but I mean, amongst the survivor legends, you are up there at the pantheon of the great survivor players. But also, not for nothing, a terrific interview guest. And I really appreciate your ability to jog your memory. Sometimes I, I can't believe how you were able to just be like, do you remember in episode three when this happened? And I'm like, I'm glad you remember. <laughs> right, yeah. um, no, truly, like it's it's remarkable how you're able to call these moments back together.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, I'll come back anytime. He'll even show up to a deli opening. I have grand <laughs> reopenings. I'm big on the reopenings. Grand reopenings. Yes, Bar mitzvahs, yes. birthdays, reopenings, that's what I do. Do you call, a shiva? Are we, I, I am assuming you're Jewish, Evan, are yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Are yeah. you uh, impressed with the level of Jews on Survivor these past five seasons? The number of Jews we've had? It went from nothing to I like really... everything. You haven't looked paid attention? Jews are the Well, no, but usually I just
2: recognize, no, I know that much. Who were the, I don't, like, I haven't registered recent Jews and an There was one season where Jews. there was four
1: Jews, and I don't even remember their names. It was um, Lindsay, uh, was one of them.
0: Oh, season 42. Season
1: 42.
2: Interesting. So, Dewey, do, do you think this is like a conscious effort? And as, like, I know it's not part of the diversity mandate per se, but do you think it's just chance? Well,
1: unfortunately, Jews get left out of the diversity mandate in, in theory because, in yeah. you know, we just yeah. don't. Uh, necessarily look the part of being diverse however we are 2% of the population yet we are 60% of the hate crimes globally so do the math Um, so anyway I'm big into uh, you know being a proud Jew and trying to erase the stigma around Jews in media so that's just one thing I'm I'm involved with not to make this a religion type situation but yeah no I think uh, what season with I can go back and just go there's a great newsletter called Hey Alma if you're not subscribed, yeah, to the Yeah, yeah, hey, of course. Homa. So they they kind of outline all the Jews in reality TV right now. So um, you can go back and look at some of the newsletters, and they have all the survivors that have been Jewish over the past four years.
2: Now, are you the only Jewish winner?
1: Unfortunately, I'm not. I was until this guy Adam Klein came along. <laughs> and um, um, I'm no longer well, we the chosen one. There's another one
0: okay.
2: along
1: with us. But, you
2: know... I think... <laughs> I think you're up there. I'm I'm a little bit more (laughs) Jewish
1: than Adam, I'd like to think. (laughs) I don't know.
2: I'm making that up. Um, He's new school, so he doesn't count. New school Jew, I'm old school Jew. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. Also, he's not making his way onto legends, I'll tell you that much. So, yeah. Oh, poor Adam. (laughs) I'm just saying. Yeah, it's all right. All right, Ethan, thank you so much. This has been a real thrill. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Have a great day. You
0: too. Okay, Ethan Zone, another survivor legend in the Drop Your Buffs roster. If you wanted to see the video of this interview, you can find that at our Patreon. And you can go to patreon.com forward slash drop your buffs to see everything that we're getting up to over there. Make sure that you're following us on Instagram at Pod, where we share silly memes and update you on the latest episodes and the latest goings on at Drop Your Buffs. If you're interested in Drop Your Buffs merch, we have Drop Your Buffs Tees and we have Black Widow Brigade Tees over at dropyourbuffspod.com. Make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast so you don't miss any upcoming episodes and If you feel so inclined, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.